Welcome to Living in the Matrix. I'm Jonathan, and I'm left of center. And I'm Rich, and I tend to lean a little bit more to the right. But the bottom line is, is together we try to look for the balance of what it means to be human in today's world. If you're in the midst of some kind of struggle where you're doing everything you can to overcome and it's just not working, we have got a guest for you. Today, we're interviewing Kevin Crane, a world champion grappler for USA Grappling. And when you look at Kevin, you immediately think, this guy has it all, but you would be wrong. Kevin, which you would never know by looking at him, started life with two parents who were incarcerated addicts. So he started at the bottom, and yet Kevin chose to overcome everything to reach the top of the grappling world. Join us today as we take a deep dive into Kevin Crane on Living in the Matrix. Rich, how do you want to start? I want to start by getting fired up about Kevin and um, why I thought he was going to be a great um, fit for the the podcast. And um, be happy to just dive in right there. Uh, I was kind of serendipitous. Um, essentially, you know, we've got a local gym where a lot of cool cats like to hang out in the sauna afterwards. There's a lot of really good uh, therapeutic benefits for being in a sauna, which include increasing the ability to re to heal yourself, right, from inflammation, a variety of other yeah. things. It also becomes a really cool social place. So lo and behold, one afternoon, I'm kicking it there. And in comes this guy, Kevin, with just a lot of energy. I could just viscerally feel um, something palpable there. And he started talking to somebody who, who knew him in the MMA and the grappling circles. I didn't really know anybody. So all of a sudden, we start kind of talking about, you know, ways to be healthy, ways to overcome, you know, the craziness of the world, ways to... Um, you know, deal with diet and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And next thing you know, um, I'm really saying to myself, this could be a great guy who isn't living in the status quo, who's overcoming all kinds of stuff, just depending on the adversity and becoming a freaking stud. And I said, dude, you'd be great for a podcast. What do you think? And he agreed with me. So um, here we are. <laughs> That's, what's your take on uh, first meeting Rich? Kevin? Oh, uh, yeah, same thing. Just incredible energy, very in uh, intelligent man. And uh, I love I love conversating, you know, uh, and masterminding the sauna and just, yeah, the healthy, the healthy conversations that take place in there. Uh, what do you mean by that, masterminding? What is it? Because uh, I know not everybody understands what that is. What does that mean for you? Yeah, when two minds get together, they create a third so it's kind of like, you know, bouncing ideas off each other and yeah, and just uh, sharing, you know, all each other's knowledge to put the puzzle pieces together of this matrix that we live in. But I'd love to hear maybe what's your journey been like over the last three, five, seven years that helped you overcome the most of the adversity that you talk about and, and, and has gotten you where you are today. And then maybe along the way, as you're giving us this um, background, we can come up with some conversational questions here and there to kind of, you know, flesh this out, especially for our audience who might not know what grappling is or some of the other things you've, you, you've actually kind of encountered along the way. Where for you began sort of the process where you decided to step out of your comfort zone? Have you always had that? Yeah. Yeah. I think ever since a young childhood growing up in a, in a broken home filled with all, uh, the neglect and abuse uh, due to all the drug and alcohol uh, use from my parents. 
I think I've always been uh, comfortable in the chaos, you know. That's a really interesting process and way to grow up and to think about it that way. You grew up in a state of chaos. What was that like? Uh, a lot of uh, like fear and just un unknowing. Uh, uh, yeah, just a lot of uncertainty. You know, yeah, I don't know if my parents both overdosed on heroin multiple times and survived throughout my childhood. So never knowing if the cops were going to show up because uh, a fight broke out in the home or if one of my parents was going to die from drugs. I guess always like being on like edge and uh, in that fight or flight mode. You know, I had an uncle uh, that lived with us and ended up becoming my legal guardian when I was eight, when both my parents were incarcerated simultaneously. And uh, he's kind of like my savior. You know, he always had that calm, sober, uh, peaceful love energy about him so I always gravitated towards him as a young child because I knew I was safe when I was around him but you know children what did aren't you see uh, uh, he always told me I was a born champion and uh that positive that positive re-encouragement that positive affirmation to to train you know he always yeah he always built me up and believed in me and supported me and now uh here I am on team USA Last year, won the world championships in Spain after 13 years of grappling. Uh, finally became a world champion at the black belt level. And uh, I brought him back to gold medal because he's not doing very well uh, health-wise, mentally and physically. So to bring him back that gold medal after uh, winning it in Spain last year was was the most precious moment of my life. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's phenomenal. We talked about what was uh, that like holding that gold medal? Sorry, uh, Rich. Yeah. 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 No, it's okay. Yeah. I took it to the Coliseum because I went to Rome for five days and stayed and uh, did a little bit of vacation adventuring and sightseeing. And getting to stand in the Coliseum with that gold medal was definitely uh, like a dream come true. Uh, and then to bring you're it back. Grappling. To him. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, grappling I'm, in Rome. I'm on, That's like the beginning. Yeah, yeah. It's, I've always thought of myself as a modern day like uh, gladiator and samurai, you know. And uh, hopefully, jujitsu will be in the Olympics by 2028, even possibly with this rule set, because it's the same governing body as the uh, Olympic wrestling uh, organization. So, if they could get jujitsu into the Olympics by 2028, I'll be 33 years old, which is kind of a peak of a man's cardiovascular conditioning starting to finally gain some wisdom and still in the uh, physical peak. peak. And uh, it will be in Los Angeles. So last summer I came to the realization that I actually might be competing for a gold medal in the Olympics uh, during this lifetime. You know, if I stay on track and stay on the frequency I'm headed towards. That's amazing. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I also thought you'd be a great fit for this podcast because here you were, um, talking about dropping down to 170 pounds for um, a, a contest, but we're just 200 pounds prior. And we're talking even about running ultra marathons. And one of the things you do not see out there very often is people who are over 200 pounds running ultra marathons. The people that crush 50, 60, 80, 100 milers look like they could uh, blow away in a, in a stiff breeze, um, even if they're wet, right? Because they're about 140 pounds definitely in their thirties in the peak. So um, Jonathan, one of the reasons why I loved 
um, you know, Kevin is like, you've got this dichotomy of like, you know, super, you know, bulk, big guy who can do some serious wrestling and stuff, but at the same time has a, an ultra marathon kind of experience and background. So Kevin, tell us a little bit about the the, um, the athletic part of your journey, right? It seems like you overcame stuff. You had a, a guardian and your uncle that loved you, that um, wanted you to be a champion, that knew somehow, some way, whether it's a mental champion or just dealing with parents and overcoming that kind of struggle. Um, but where did you see yourself coming into um, the physical side of things? And when did you choose jujitsu slash grappling as opposed to anything else to kind of make your make your mark athletically? Yeah, when I was five years old, I loved pro wrestling, you know, Stone Cold and The Rock. Uh, sure. Pain and The Undertaker, it was that era for me. And I would wrestle with my brother every night uh, and all his friends before dinner and just all the time wrestling with my uncles and any older uh, man that was around. And I grew up playing baseball, basketball, and football. My uncle always uh, put me in sports to give me structure, keep me out of trouble. And uh, and I I was a high school dropout my freshman year because both of my parents were living on the beach in Santa Barbara. And I moved with my aunt and uncle uh, in Ojai to kind of uh, recreate myself and start a new life and was able to be a part of that uh, first ever championship team uh, in Ojai's little school uh, history, Nordoff, first Nordoff, championship nice. team. Yeah, in a hundred year history of the school. And I led them to the CIF championship and became a defensive player of the year, my senior year. And uh, during the off season of those uh, last three years in high school, I started training at the jujitsu academy uh, to stay out of trouble and keep me from being a little hood rat, you know, and uh, the jujitsu changed my, the way I thought more importantly than anything, you know, the methodical uh, approach of jujitsu because it's human chest, you know, if you, it's high level problem solving under high level stress, you know, another man trying to choke you unconscious uh, and you having to stay calm and, make the correct decisions and make no mistakes uh, really helped uh, in the football in my last couple of years of high school. But then after that, I was too small and too slow for the NFL. So I ended up uh, pursuing becoming a professional martial artist and uh, becoming a professional athlete and yeah, basically professional grappling and mixed martial arts. Wow. No, I, I saw the, there was a there was an Instagram video of you where somebody comes up to you and says, don't touch him. You touch him and I'll ban you. And it was freaking awesome. I think your comment was this is the most entertaining grappling ever. And I watched how you moved around this guy like clockwork, but I didn't know where you're going because I don't have that experience. But this is the kind of thing you're talking about. How did you let's talk about that move right there, because for the untrained eye, no, I didn't know where you were going. So tell me about that particular um, event and how you worked your way mentally around how you were going to dismantle this guy. And basically, you were you got him in a really bad armbar, didn't you? I mean, he looked like he was in pain. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, that was the ADCC Abu Dhabi Combat Championship, Costa Mesa Open. And yeah, yeah, that video went viral on YouTube, has one million views. And my nice. Instagram reel went, went viral too, 75,000. And uh, yeah, I, I actually lost to him in like a, a kind of a not too fair of a rule set where you both start on each other's back and get a chance to choke each other. 
So it's the equivalent of like letting somebody try to knock you out with their best right hand and then you getting uh, to do the same in return. And uh, he beat me in that rule set last July. So it was really good to get redemption and uh, get a real submission that actually counts. And yeah, I got him with an arm bar. My style and jujitsu is very unorthodox. You know, everyone thinks I'm a wrestler because uh, like you said, I'm uh, pretty muscle bound and stocky and American, but I didn't, uh, I mean, I grew up watching pro wrestling and I broke two of my mom's beds uh, from just <laughs> sitting there for hours on end, slamming the teddy bear, visualizing these scenarios of becoming like a WWF or WWE world champion. And uh, you were manifesting now, even as a kid, man. You had it all down. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's one thing that I always uh, had uh, since I was, uh, I can remember, you know, is, uh, you know, now I'm getting super into this law of attraction and manifestation uh, and so fascinated by really everything in our life is attracted. Uh, everything that we've ever, you know, up to this conversation has been attracted through our subconscious mind and what it is we desire at the core. And uh, I always just visualize, you know, even shooting basketball, basketballs out there and on the basketball hoop in my driveway like the buzzer beaters you know three two one and making the game winning basket and uh that's what life's about you know showing everyone uh, that's my whole thing is bend but never break that's the award i won in high school my senior year and that was my motto during the uh the 100 mile race that i completed two years ago in april in uh, zion utah because uh that's what this world needs especially in these dark times is the inspiration, the motivation, and showing the whole world what happens when you never give up on your dreams. So bend but never break is uh, one of my mottos and going to be branded here shortly. And uh, yeah, the 100 Miles or Die is the documentary that my friend uh, filmed. And it was supposed to be all about my brother. You guys have to meet my brother, Sean Michael Crane. He's an online uh, fitness coach and now life coach and mindset coach and he's doing motivational speaking and uh really taking uh his life to a whole new level he did six years in prison for a crime he didn't commit got out wrote a book about his life telling his story has over 10 years sober and uh whenever we're together just the synergy is unstoppable and that's his brand now is unstoppable 365 mf -er. and uh, he's kind of been like my life coach since he's returned from prison and uh, always mentoring me, you know, he's the older brother, my first coach, my first training partner. And uh, he signed up for a hundred mile run. So the only reason I accomplished a hundred mile run was, was to uh, go help somebody, you know, I wasn't doing it for myself. I was just making sure that he wouldn't die out there in the desert of Zion. And sure enough at mile 30, uh, he started shitting blood and his lips dried up and he had to, he had to quit during the hundred mile run. So oh. I got my pay, I got my payback from all the childhood uh, when he used to beat me up and abuse me when he was fucked up on drugs and alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Well, you carried the mantle and um, quite yeah. frankly, you know, what's so funny and what's so sad is there's so many people that would hate on this idea of, of abundance and um, yeah. the unstoppable nature. And everybody goes, that's pretty it could be pretty cheesy. My, my, my son loves logic. Who's a rapper and he's seen him three or four times, but he talks about positivity and peace and he's absolutely crushed it. And you know what? 
the, the most amazing stories are the ones coming from folks like you who have overcome like the, the most incredible trials and tribulations because it gives you a vantage point from the universe that I don't think a lot of people have. And I think, let me ask you this question. Would you take what you went through back and would you try to live that over again? Or do you look at that from a framework from one of our other guests, his name's Sean, he actually welcomed all the things that happened. How would you describe that background that you've gone through? Would you, would you give yourself a chance to do it all over again? Or would you say, no, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be? What would you say to that? Uh, yeah, I would say, no, or no, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. You know, yeah, it's really uh, bizarre. It's like everything we ever learned was backwards. You know, everything's happening to us and for us, or, you know, like we get to, not we have to. And yeah, everything's really happening for us, not to us. And I, I see how I, uh, the man that I've become, you know, coming into my late twenties and my other childhood friends that had it easier or nowhere near to the level of success that I've reached. And it's all because uh, being hardened by these struggles and these adversities that I've got the pleasure of uh, getting to overcome and deal with. When did you discover that? Uh, I guess uh, in high school. I mean, ever since a young age, I've been praying to God to give me the most miraculous life possible, you know, praying for, uh, you know, to put Did that come natural? Yeah, just natural. Yeah, Yeah. just instinct, intuitive. Yeah, from, uh, I guess you would say the infinite intelligence or the uh, collective consciousness, you know, the higher power. Uh, I'm on a fast now and already did. We call it the unified field. Okay. Yeah. The unified field. Yeah. I mean, everything's connect, everything's connected. It's really powerful once you start to understand and see this because we're all just, uh, yeah, we're all just connected in like some way that nobody can even begin to uh, fathom, but you just have to realize that that's the reality. And, and once you get like tuned in, you start to see all these synchronicities in life and just slowly putting the puzzle pieces together. And uh, yeah, it's so beautiful. Like to see, uh, you know, when life comes full circle and you start to see all the silver linings of every situation and uh, yeah, the abundance mindset is one thing that I've really been working on because I've mastered the physical and now I've been mastering my mental. And obviously uh, I want to master the financial part of my life. That way I can start to give back and help support people like I uh, have had uh, to get to the, where I'm at today. You, you experience a lot of pain is part of who, what craft you've chosen. Um, that requires a lot of mental acuity on top of physical acuity. How, how have you dealt with that as a human being dealing with that much pain? Like, what do you, do you have a pain cave? Do you have a place you go? Do you separate it? What do you do? Yeah. Yeah. To deal with the trauma. Uh, yeah that i've gone through yeah the pain yeah it's all like like you said that one guy's the uh abundance uh alchemist alchemist alchemist. yeah yeah alchemy is the transfer of energy right so you have to turn all those negatives into positives one of my walkout songs uh juicy by biggie smalls and he talks about turning all the negatives in his life into positive and that's kind of been the mission that i'm on because i downloaded so much negative uh behavior and just all the lying and cheating and stealing that I did for like the first 27 years of my life, uh, uh, have so much, uh, karma that I have to 
to build back up. You know, I'm behind in the game of life. You know, I'm still down in the score and I'm working my way to get back uh, to even and eventually win. And yeah, just uh, as a young child, downloading all that negative behavior and sort of rewire my brain and my subconscious all for this positivity and love and abundance. And uh, man, it's pretty incredible to see the the transformation that I've made in the last year and to see how contagious, how contagious it is and how people just are like loving just being around me now, just yeah. because uh, the positivity is everything. I mean, it's really, uh, it's unstoppable. Once you get on this like frequency of always training your mind, I've been doing these affirmations while running uh, alpha male affirmations, positive affirmations and, and everything like we are creators, you know, uh, abracadabra in Hebrew is as we speak, we create. And I, and I, I, I hate that I would ever lose track of that thought for even a second, because that's, uh, I'm reaching like this higher, higher level of awareness that I never even could begin, uh, to understand before. And I'm just trying to be conscious, like, uh, about every decision I make from, the water I put in my body to the foods I eat uh, and sharing all this knowledge that I've learned with everyone has just been uh, incredible. Oh my gosh, man. Um, no, you, you just encapsulated so much right there. And I think what's amazing <laughs> yeah. about this journey that you're on, um, that I'm on, that Jonathan's on, I think we're all trying to tap into this unified field, this level of what we call pure consciousness. And I think we're each getting there in unique ways. Um, I've been able to, I think, get into some really cool spots because something called transcendental meditation. So you might've heard of it. It's, it's a meditative technique, the, the likes of Eddie Vedder, you know, um, you've got Paul McCartney, you know, got, you know, Clint Eastwood, uh, Seinfeld, a lot of people have been doing that. And, and what Sean Clayton talked about is going back to the source, right? But Jonathan has his own way of doing it. I, I, I'd like to say, you know, when, when you're trying to hit this level of real creativity and, and, and alchemy and abundance, is it is it something that you do like a, like a meditative process? I, I know that when you, you just described, you know, saying it out loud, right? Creating it from words, right? If you say it, you can manifest it. So what are the practices that you have um, that are getting you in the zone like that. And then let's take another step forward after that. And you hinted at something about the kind of water you put in your body. I think you're probably talk to, talking about structured water and not and avoiding tap water. So let's dive into two pieces here. One, how are you getting to that level of, of creation of, of, uh, of that mind, that mental state where you're actually seeing it all laid out in front of you? And then let's go after that into some of those practical things you're doing day by day, diet wise, uh, exercise wise, things that are, are actually helping your body be the best they can be so they can align with your mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Meditation has been a really big one for me in the last uh, year or two. And uh, yeah, I think being uh, the fasting has honestly been the biggest uh, attribute to getting uh to those creative uh mindsets yeah fasting while running during the hottest part of the day is wow. what i was doing when i was training for zion uh, a couple of years ago and you're in like a higher frequency mind state and you can just really start to tap into all your truths you know it's all about being well, honest with yourself it's what we're really realizing now is that you can actively put yourself into a state where you're 
in that fight or flight mode. And then you can control the experience by bringing a newfound understanding to it and to say, oh, in this moment, no, I can handle this. And that is the learning. I think as a human being is we face pain and then we experience it and run from it, not recognizing the understanding of overcoming that pain is that's life. That is the joyous fruit of life when you realize you can handle anything. Yeah. And I think, Kevin, that's what you really exp- experienced in your life is you've taught your body, I can handle this pain. Um, when, you, when you're doing this fasting, so Jonathan and I have both, Jonathan's lost a lot of weight. Um, and I think you've maybe kept it off, Jonathan, but Jonathan, you know, I lost- have. 30 pounds um, doing his own type of intermittent fasting. I've lost 10 pounds or last call it a couple months doing it. And I just do call it a 12 to eight hour window. Why don't you let us know what you, what you're doing in your fast. that's helping you hit this um, kind of mental zone. Yeah. I mean, I train uh, every day pretty much. I'm trying to be like the uh, David Goggins of jujitsu, you know, uh, after doing that hundred mile run, it separated me from everybody else in the grappling community. Cause I Hello. don't think anybody's ever done that. So yeah. I knew I had to do something to get an edge on the 8 billion people on this planet or the ones that at least are on the UFC roster trying to beat me in my field. Uh, and yeah, doing two and three, four trainings a day, uh, I try to push the fast as long as I can. Uh, and, you know, obviously I don't want to uh, hinder my physical performance for these trainings, but it's interesting because uh, the, the, you know, fighting is 90% mental. They say, you know, in life, 90% mental, but why is it 90% of the training physical? So I'm trying to always battle in my mind, which is better, you know, to train after, uh, to train fasted and depleted that way I have to use all technique and, uh, intelligence to win. And I'm, you know, and, uh, these trainings, uh, like the third training or fourth training fasted, then these sauna sessions, the energy that I have and the clarity and, uh, just being able to be like in flow state during these grappling trainings, uh, is very, uh, powerful because I'm like creating new submissions and doing stuff that, has never been done before and uh definitely feel like when i'm fasted i'm uh able to do to create a lot better uh because i'm just not like bogged down by all this fucked up uh foods or you know even if i'm eating organic dates and bananas and honey uh in between my workouts which lately i've been doing just organic dates honey bananas and fruit in between my workouts and then at the end at night if i'm trying to cut weight I go no carb dinners, which is just grass fed beef. And like, I'll make a pound of grass fed beef and 11 eggs and crush that protein and fat for the recovery. Uh, Cause protein and fat takes the longest to digest. But uh, during the day in between workouts, you just need those high glycemic carbs that are going to transfer to glycogen uh, to keep you going. So the fruit and the honey, but for me, uh, it's all mental discipline too if you can fast and just drink water, uh, you know, God, the universe, your higher power is watching you. Something is, and, uh, it's like blessing you for, for being disciplined in that aspect. I feel like, uh, you know, avoiding the pleasure of eating food and, and I'm trying to become a monk too, because, uh, 
you know, no, no emotional attachment to food, no emotional attachment to, to sex and, uh, money and even my friends and family. I had to emotionally detach from my father at a young age, which was the hardest thing I ever did. Cause you know, your parents raise you and you're supposed to listen to them, but then 99% of the time you become just like them. And I didn't want to become anything like my parents. Right. So, so that's kind of gave me uh, a head start on it. I think as far as emotionally detaching, but it's so hard in the matrix we live in, you know, we just had the 4th of July and I'm just on my bike ride. I've been microdosing. Uh, I did a 24 mile bike ride with my friend who's still struggling with a lot of negatives in his life. He's my friend who helped me run the hundred miles. He did the last 50 miles with me, Diego Rivera. And uh, I dosed him up on some mushrooms and I could see the breakthroughs that he had. And he was just so grateful and so much self uh, honesty came out about what he's doing in his life that he doesn't really want to do. And just to see these breakthroughs that he was having uh, was incredible. And we're just riding our bikes through downtown Santa Barbara and thousands of humans are out on the beach just consuming alcohol and all these foods. And they're actually just killing themselves, not just physically, but spiritually, you know, their soul. And I've been on a mission to purify my soul. So if uh, every time I'm on these fasts, like right now, I'm just like, I don't even want to take anything into my body because I know that it's just going to overeating. It's like the number one cause and like health issues. You know, I was been listening to Sanguru, the super famous yogi. And he apparently uh, only slept three hours a night for 30 years straight just because he wouldn't overeat, you know, the sustain, the energy that you have. No one talks about like vitality and energy, but uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm barely even scratching the surface. You know, I, I'm like trying to, <laughs> trying to uh, articulate the best that I can, but it's like almost indescribable. You you just, you have to feel it. You have to do it. You know, you got to fast, get out there, chug tons of water, run as far as you can. And then you'll start to really understand uh, through all the different, uh, you'll start to understand like what I'm talking about once you start to do it. Kevin, how, what drew you to microdosing? Uh, you know, yeah, I, well, I smoked weed every day from like 11 to like 19 years old. That's what the advice that I used to escape my trauma and escape reality. Mm -hmm, and sure. then I never, yeah. And now I, I was taking 20 to 30 bong hits a day of weed and tobacco, basically just killing myself, you know, every second. So obviously I wasn't loving myself anywhere near what I should be and still aren't. Uh, but every day that's the, the goal, you know, to raise your level of uh, self-love and awareness and start to treat your body like a temple, which it is, and uh, purify it. And yeah, the microdosing uh, supposedly helps with the rewiring of the brain. So to, yeah, the, the benefits of, of psychedelic mushrooms are just incredible. I've been doing these long runs now, eating like anywhere up to like three grams. And uh, as a little kid, you never get tired because you're just stoked. You're like in a positive mindset. You, you're just playing, you know, you're in lost in time and uh, time doesn't even exist, you know, and dogs too. The dogs are always happy, you know, they're just stoked on life because they're not in the past or the future. They're just in the present moment, you know, and yeah. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the mushrooms just seem to really uh, help with so many different things. Yeah, the childhood trauma, the rewiring of the brain, endurance, energy. Uh, yeah, helping with this, I guess, the CTE that I probably have from football and uh, 
the, the trauma that I've got inflicted into my brain through physical combat sports. And uh, yeah, they just increase your senses, your sense of smell, your hearing, your vision gets better. It's really powerful uh, what I've been experimenting with the last couple months, last year. Jonathan, I still have to get up there. You, you, you had your, your buddy make us some capsules. I think I've got to get up there sooner than later. I got to get on this bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. an extremist. You know, I like to push it in everything I do because uh, I'm not, that's what life's about. You know, can't be boring. <laughs> Absolutely. But you're actually proving science. I mean, what's so crazy about it? And here's what's, here, here's what's nuts is that the more and more research we do, the more and more we realize that the whole re well reefer madness was real because it does it does stunt your growth right when uh, you know you look at teenagers it's the worst thing you can do if you're 52 years old and you want to toke on something every now and then go ahead and be my guest but what people are, are realizing and they've done this at johns hopkins they, they did this in in europe in the 40s and 50s and 60s with lsd and the founder of alcoholics anonymous had a brain breakthrough because he had an LSD experience because he saw a higher power, right? That level of consciousness. They're starting to see that if it's done well and you've got good stuff, it's actually really good. And mycelium is, it, it, we're connected to that stuff. So I, I think you're onto something, but I, I think what's even, um, what's very interesting is I think this is what one of my guests were. He's a good friend of mine named Byron. This guy's been focusing on meditation for so long that he, he took a five um, gram dosage, which is like a hero's journey. And it was only an iterative bit of difference. He didn't have this amazing ego death at breakthrough because his mind I think was already connected on a really good level. But I think for a lot of us out there who are still on this journey that we're working on that with our minds, right? We've still got a lot of garbage. I think that's that microdosing is a great start to get you to that next level. Um, I did a marathon only once, it was 26 miles, but even without <laughs> mushrooms, what's amazing about the body is I was running four or five miles in a row that um, I didn't have a stopwatch. I did, would look up at the clock coming through and I would be off by literally a second or two for each mile. So I was at a perfect 10 minute pace with my body just because that's what the body gets to do, right? And that's why I think it's important for you on this 100 miler when you can live in a world that you're not focusing on what, what your body's doing, your mind can be free to play. It just is something else you're doing, right? And next thing you know, you've gone 22 miles and it's just been like a dream, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, your body releases uh, cannabinoids. Cannabinoids? <laughs> it is. Uh, when, cannabidiol's in when, our body. That's correct. Yeah. When you do uh, the 100 mile race. Yeah. Because ever since then, I've, I've been changed on a whole different level because obviously I ran for 34 hours in the desert all throughout the night and now when i'm training i'm like uh like obviously i have more you always have more but you don't want to break down your body too much but i'm like you know i don't want to be lying to myself either i'm trying to reach the highest purest form of myself of the self-honesty so it's been a really because interesting there, kevin there's a value in reaching that place where you can stay Oh, I've already done that before. That that's a really valuable experience to have. That only I'm, I'm curious how many people have run more than a hundred miles in a one or two day period. It's probably a really small list, and to be able to say that is like at a whole nother level physiologically. You've taught your body I can handle the pain for a really long time. 
And that is, that's a different level. What is it that you do in your daily life that helps you get over those mental hurdles when you have the bigger parts of the training? Like when you're reaching your limit, when you feel like you're, you're, you've got nothing but acid in your muscles and you're like wanting to die and you keep going, what is that like for you? Uh, the last year, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Eric Thomas, the motivational speaker. He's incredible. And uh, I've talked to him a couple of times through Instagram. Uh, and I told him I was going to go become a world champion last year. And he, he just responded with such a quick and simple voice message and was like, well, then go and become a champion then. And uh, just in sending me that, I took off on a 10-mile run, just so stoked that he responded to me. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty incredible. And, uh, yeah, uh, he has a, a saying, or I learned this from him, that you have to do – every decision you make has to be made on how it's going to affect everybody else, you know, not yourself. So getting out of that selfish mindset of me, 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 and more of we – we, we, and uh, my uncle who, who saved me from my drug and alcoholic addicted parents and helped raise me. I'm, uh, he's got to be the main factor that I'm doing it for, you know, to show, cause he, he gave his whole life uh, to take care of me and never, never really, he's the most selfless man I ever met just, uh, and gave so much of his time, which is what we're all running out of. And they print more money every day, but time's the most valuable asset. And we're all going to die eventually. So just to really show him that all the time and energy that he put into me is, uh, is going to pay off, you know? So every time I feel like quitting or giving up, uh, I think about him and my dad died from fentanyl during, uh, the beginning of COVID back in 2020. And I don't know if he killed himself and did it on purpose or if it was by accident, but, uh, I have like this really, uh, powerful connection with him now where I actually wrote a post a couple months back when I was in Spain last year that I'm closer to him than I was ever in my entire life and he's not even here in the physical flesh form but I'm getting like signs all the time from his spirit or the, uh, yeah my connection to the afterlife my mom died of a brain aneurysm when she was 49 two days before my first ever amateur MMA bout so I, I kind of have uh, a connection to the spiritual, uh, a spiritual connection that uh, you can only get once you have your parents or a loved one that close uh, in the afterlife. And I use those them as, you know, as my motivation because they suffered. They got defeated by their demons in life, you know, and they couldn't they couldn't change their life and and become anywhere near their potential because of the drugs and alcohol just destroyed them. So every time I feel like giving up or quitting, I just got to remember about all the ones that couldn't, uh, that weren't strong enough to succeed and just keep going. That's powerful, man. And um, one of the guys we had on our podcast, I, I, I obviously he was a friend of mine, but our mutual friend um, had a terrible bout of bipolar and for 10 years battled it and finally ended his life. But what was crazy about that experience um, was not only the loss of it, but he, he still impacted our lives afterwards. But when, you, when we, we got together for the memorial service, I've never seen such uh, uh, an impact on, there was like 
you know, if you go to a particular a, a funeral, you, you'll see very close friends and family members that are all kind of related in one way or another pretty closely. But there was at least three to five different kinds of groups of people that were in ministry or in, um, in, in as pilots in aviation or in his staffing and then IT business. And all these people didn't know each other. Imagine showing up at a funeral or a, or a, a celebration of life where 150 people are gathered together and 80% of them don't know who the next person is. That shows you the power of that and what he did in his death brought us all together. And we started this long conversation where we're still talking about him in our mind's eye and, and how it feels like he's reaching out to us in, in many ways. That's, that's a fascinating thought. And I think it'd give a lot of relief to people who feel like they didn't do enough because if they just open their hearts and their minds to reality, they could actually experience that too, right? That's kind of place where we're getting at. We had um, a gal on as well who said we're all clairvoyant, right? It's just some of us are more tapped into it than others, right? And able to know people and feel what they're coming from and intuit their past experiences, but also reaching out to the, the universe, right? To glean things that we normally wouldn't have even thought of, right? There's that level of, 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 of creativity. Um, what's his name? Um, he's the uh, director, David Lynch. He's a big TM guy, Transcendental Meditation. And he says, you're at a level where you're creating things that your brain has never seen or thought of before, not even a hint of, right? That's what's really exciting about where we are right now, man. And that's why we need let me to give you my Let me give you my take on that. Because I think yeah. that's a really good point is historically, the spiritual world was almost the boogeyman. You know, we had the witches, you know, like there's a long history of the spiritual world dealing with our own experience of that. And I think now that we understand quantum field, we understand that at a subatomic level, we're all energy. So when someone dies and they become energy, they're still connected to you. Amen. Yep. So it's, it's not unreasonable to say that's how they do it. If that's the, the, you know, it, you never know, but it's like, we're all energy. And so I don't have an issue with that kind of thought anymore of like, it's a boogeyman or it's untouchable. No, it's just energy. We're all connected and we're just tapping into that connection. Kevin, you talked about some practical things earlier about how you take dates and bananas and honey. Can you give us something that you've got in your day-to-day? -day? I want to get really practical right now and not, we've been talking a lot of really high level cool stuff, but give us some practical advice and let's focus specifically on some of the diet things that have really helped you because I'm really interested in this dates, banana, honey kind of in between um, high protein and fat meals. Give me a little bit of background on, on how that works, what your recommended dosage is and, and how to make that happen, you know, day-to-day. Uh, yeah. So when I started training for the ultra, I started learning more and more about uh, nutrition and hydration because the hundred miles is more of an eating and a hydration contest than anything. Okay. Because uh, if you run out, I mean, your body can only absorb four mouthfuls of uh, water per minute. So you have to like train your subconscious mind, always be sipping on that camelback uh, filled with electrolytes. That way you stay hydrated. Okay. And you don't want to fall behind on your hydration. And then as far as uh, glycogen goes, which is the muscle, uh, the energy in your muscles, you know, for, uh, for working out uh, a, a male of my size, like 185, 200, I think it takes 400 grams of carbohydrates to completely restore all your glycogen. And uh, 
I just kind of do it intuitively now. I don't track anything uh, like the macros apps or my fitness pal is a good app if you want to track your calories and macros. But uh, based off of uh, like my level of just like uh, uh, of knowledge of my own body. Uh, yeah, like I'll just do like two or uh, <laughs> yeah, the dates are really powerful because it's like six dates is like 30 carbohydrates and uh they're so fast acting, uh, uh, high glycemic carbs, you know, they, uh, the sugar turns into glucose and transfers to glycogen within 30 minutes. So I eat just a couple handfuls of those, maybe in a banana or two, and then put some honey on top of all that in between my training sessions. Uh, and then, yeah, it all depends on what type of the training it is. You know, if I did a 10 mile run, or if I did a two hour jujitsu session or lifted heavy weights. And uh, for me, I don't think that the protein and fat really helps you for your next workout. It's more for recovery. Recovery. And yeah. I, yeah. So I last year for the world championships, I had to lose like 15 pounds, but obviously I don't want to lose strength while cutting weight. And I want to, uh, don't want to, cause it's all hormonal too. You don't want to uh, lower your testosterone and, or, increase your cortisol levels, you know, from cutting weight and being in a calorie deficit training so hard and preparing for the world title. So I would fast all day and then do, uh, just 11 eggs and a steak. And that was like my routine, uh, the last few weeks while cutting weight. But if you're not trying to cut weight, uh, I like to eat, uh, you know, I don't like to be bloated during these training sessions and being fasted, obviously you have the mental clarity, but physically, uh, you lose so much energy digestion. Uh, digestion just takes so much energy, you know, and your gut is like your second mind, you know, now we're figuring out your heart and your gut has neurons as well. And uh, yeah, if sometimes I eat like just one or two bananas and I still feel uh, bloated just because I've done so much fasted training these last couple of years. But yeah, I just, you know, your, your stomach's only as big as your fist. So I would say just an apple and a banana two bananas or a couple of dates and a banana after one training session would uh, fill you up for the next one. Got it. And yeah. And I, I'm just figuring out my buddies, uh, Conor McGregor's nutritionist, Eric Trilogy. And for my last couple MMA fights, he told me not to drink any or stop drinking, stop re Cause you cut 20 pounds in five days for these MMA fights, which is very, uh, strenuous on the body and so you rehydrate for three hours after the weigh-in I usually put on like seven to 15 pounds just in those three hours of hydrating and then you wait 20 minutes to let your stomach acids all uh, get back to normal and then you start to eat uh, to prepare for the next day for the event and now after listening to San Guru I guess that's the yogi philosophy or yogi uh, way is that you never hydrate 20 minutes or before before or after any meal that you eat so i'm like trying to consciously be aware yes. of this like if i if i eat a banana like i can't drink water 20 minutes before or after so i have to be so dialed in on my hydration like oh finish training i'm gonna chug some of my gallon with electrolytes in it and then i'm gonna wait 20 minutes eat those two bananas wait another 20 minutes and just kind of trying to figure out my routine but every day uh, shit's changing, you know, different training sessions, you might get hurt, might sprain your ankle. So then you can't run in the afternoon, you got to swim or go lift and just do arms. So, uh, 
there is no perfect like routine or or uh or regimen because I'm always making adjustments and just kind of winging it on the fly but I like doing it that way I don't like having you know yeah <laughs> mix it up baby yeah you don't need to have like this regiment this 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 um cookie cutter way of doing stuff and and by the way being in Spain right we like I talked to you on the phone yesterday we were in Santiago which is just about uh, 45 minutes north of Vigo and then we went down to Porto but one of the things I noticed in Spain and in Portugal is they don't serve water with the meals right you you're, you're enumerating you're you're highlighting something that the english do they'll have a glass of wine with a meal but they don't drink like these big 32 ounce cups of water because that doesn't do any good for the digestion and the enzymes in the system right is that is that kind of what you're finding yeah 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 definitely I, otherwise everything's just all sloshing in the, there together and slows down the uh, digestion process it's funny you brought up spain yeah because i was eating a lot of octopus last year and the spirit and how you said everything's energy eating those octopus uh, i think was a, a huge key factor of me winning the world championships because there's such a uh, intelligent little beautiful animal and it's like you know you're gate you're getting the spiritual power of eating the animal too and uh, totally. the vitality and they're so good for you as far as cutting weight because they don't have any fat or carbohydrates it's just all pure protein superfood filled with collagen and oh and yeah. love, love the pulpo yeah and then I, I did have to have the peppers every now and then just to have some kind of because you'd have chorizo a lot of bread and then the pulpo with the uh potatoes but uh, every now and then we had to order the pimientos de padron to have some greens in there you know um yeah yeah i'm not too big on the vegetables now that uh this carnivore md guy uh paul saladino's kind of made the animal uh based diet very uh popular and uh, I think, yeah, I need to start in, including more organ meats into my diet after, you know, Liver King got exposed that he's actually on $12,000 yep. a month. With <laughs> but, what uh, a joke, but, right? Yeah, but, Jordan, but his method it was correct. You know? Yeah, Jordan Peterson and his daughter both are on a pure meat diet. Jordan Peterson um, eats meat and salt and water and his daughter got off of SSRIs um, on a carnivore diet with liver and things too. So there's definitely something to it, man. Yeah, I can feel when I eat. I I just bought the most expensive steak of my life last week because, you know, I bought a dollars Yeah, yeah, I bought a hundred and fifty dollar tomahawk up there at Coast and Range, and uh, I could yeah forty ounces. You know, that, that's more nutrients in one meal than I probably had in a whole week uh, during my childhood, where I was just getting stoned and eating bags of chips and McDonald's <laughs> and all that bullshit. You know. Do you ever get the meat sweats? Like my son told me this. We um we, we ate really late one night in Spain, and um it's like two o'clock in the morning, but we had a lot of booze in us too. And like we wake up, we're like sweating because we had this massive, massive um you know chunks of beef like like rare. So do you ever get the meat sweats at night? Uh no, maybe actually I was sweating a couple nights like a week or two ago. Maybe that was the night of the tomahawk actually. <laughs> but yeah uh yeah we used to all go there after winning the world the world championships from one organizations in long beach and the whole team would always go to those brazilian barbecue all you can eat steakhouses uh afterwards to celebrate and we all try to get our our money's worth of the you know 70 dollars and eat like 10 steaks so <laughs> i love it that those nights i would definitely get the meat sweats but yeah lately i've uh actually i won the the USA team trials this year without even like sweating and getting to like a high elevated heart rate 
and uh, I won and I was like still breathing perfectly, never got out of breath. And uh, just to see all these sauna sessions this year, I've been, I was training for bad water, you know, which just happened to pass by on July 4th. But after doing that hundred mile race, I got to take it to the next level. So eventually at some point in this life, I'm going to complete bad water, which is that, you know, 135 mile race in uh, starting in death Valley and ending at Mount Whitney portal reaching, wow. you know, temperatures up to 125 degrees. So I was back on my regimen of running 50 to 70 miles a week, but this year uh, at some times, uh, but also including sauna sessions, which I would go till failure, you know, as long as I could like 45 minutes and 180 degrees, but probably overdoing Kevin, that a little you, bit. Yeah. What do you think is possible distance wise? I have a very good friend who just did a rim to rim to rim. I think that's 50 miles. And you're talking about, you know, the ultras at 100, now 135. What do you think is possible? Uh, I mean, anything's possible. I mean, impossible says it right in it, right? I'm possible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Some hidden knowledge in plain sight for you. But yeah, that guy, Cliff Young, the guy, who, uh, I forgot his name, mm -hmm. the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. I was listening to a YouTube video and he tells a story about Cliff Young the sheep herder who beat everybody and set the world record uh, in the 650 mile race because he never stopped. It was the power oh, of not Lord. knowing. Yeah. He beat all these professional long distance runners. The sheep herder showed up in overalls and boots. And apparently <laughs> he beat everyone and set a world record on the course or the race by 12 hours. Cause he never slept. He just ran for five days straight shuffling. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah, wow. Cliff Young. So uh, I, I've yet to look up more about his story, but that was pretty, uh, pretty powerful and inspiring. And, you know, the power of not knowing, didn't know that you're supposed to run for 18 hours, sleep for six, run for 18 hours, sleep for six, for five days. And apparently he just never stopped and set the record by 12 hours. Wow. That's so, a yeah, phenomenal I mean, story. I yeah, that. yeah. If you were getting chased by a fucking lion in the jungle, which is the only stress that we're actually supposed to have, not all this artificial stress created yeah. by this matrix we live in, I think uh, you would run till you would die. You know, I mean, otherwise you're going to get eaten. So you might as well keep running. Right. Uh, try to find some berry trees or fruit along the way in a river <laughs> just so you can keep going. But yeah, I, I made that documentary and that, that was the mindset. Uh, which you can translate into every aspect of life. It was a hundred miles or die. You know, I was yelling that the whole 34 hours and you have all these scientists and biologists and super uh, intellectual, like nerdy guys in their like fifties and sixties uh, running, you know, and like suffering in these, like, and then you pass by these people that are in these negative states and what they call the pain cave. And, uh, I would just look at like a maniac because I have to be in that crazy mindset uh, to keep going and, and reach my fullest potential. And, and I would just yell hundred miles or die. Cause I wasn't going to give up. You know, <laughs> I was willing to die out there in Zion. So when you're willing to die, what you will accomplish is uh, incredible because the, the, the possibilities are infinite. How did you get yourself into the mindset that you'd be willing to die on a hundred miler that your brother had started and that 
he wasn't able to finish, but I, I guess what I'm trying to figure out, cause I ran that marathon and I'm like, I'm not willing to die for this marathon. I'll just, I'm just going to come in. I didn't, I only trained for an, uh, a month and a half. So it's pretty stupid to train for a marathon for a month and a half, but you know, where do you get to yourself? I mean, where, where do you, how did you get yourself into that mental state where you said to yourself, I, I could die on this. It wouldn't matter. This it, it would all be worth it. So how, how do you do that? Uh, yeah, I think my dad dying from fentanyl and my mother already being deceased for a couple of years. I knew that if I, if I died, I would just be reunited with them. So that kind of makes me, gives me some, uh, weird sort of comfort and like safety net. But yeah, I just, I'm not being, I was on a mission to be honest with myself and finally quit smoking and start, uh, chasing the dream of becoming a UFC champion and world champion in any organization that I'm competing in. And uh, if you're, and it just kind of happened, I only trained like two months for that ultra too. And everyone thought I was like crazy and that I wasn't going to do it. My brother, my family, my friends, but everybody I went up to, I was telling them I was about to run a hundred miles. And I was even, I guess, lying to myself at first <laughs> or you know and then I would look at my feet when I was taking the Epsom salt bass after crushing 15 mile runs fasted during the hottest part of the day and I'd look at my feet and just be like wow these things are really going to take me 100 miles and then uh yeah sure enough I did it and uh, there's a cool part of that race where story where I uh was kind of and the hardest part was probably when it got cold at two in the morning at mile in between mile, like 60 to 80, I came up on an aid station, just finally got to more food and, and water, refill your camel pack, get a cup of noodles in you to warm up and keep the salt levels where they need to be. And there was this German uh, fellow and he was around the fire and like suffering from not hypothermia, but he was all cold and just around the fire and he had given up and he had quit or was giving up and he was uh, talking to some other people that were around the fire kind of breaking and about to give up. And I walked up to them and I just looked at them and I go, is this the circle of where we convince each other it's okay to quit? And then I just walked off into the dark oh. abyss. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great that, response. Yeah. I cause that, it, that, that got, I was in competition, not only with myself, which I'm just trying to fuck up Kevin Crane and beat that little bitch voice in my head every day, every second. But these people that are quitting, they're actually not helping you because they're making your subconscious mind auto suggest, oh, it's okay to quit. These guys gave up, you know? So they're actually not fucking helping me. They're, they're little, they're pussy frequencies. Sorry, excuse my language. They're, uh, yeah, they're distractions. Twitter yeah, their yeah. quitter mentality is starting to wear off on me, you know, like, and hopefully they kept going after I maybe I motivated and inspired them. But I mean, out there, it's like survival of the fittest, you know, for me, it was life or death. And I had to stay in that high, that high, crazy mindset to, uh, to keep going, because you can't give yourself one uh, second of doubting yourself, you know, or giving up. I, I love that. I, I think Jonathan and I have been on this kind of journey about how God loves us and um, yeah. how we are loved beyond any kind of knowledge that we know. And when we fail and we fall, it's because it's our own inadequacies. It's not the the, the lack of love that's directed towards us from the oneness. It's our deceiving ourselves that we're not worthy of that love 
And I think if more and more of us could surround ourselves with people who understand that we are loved regardless of what happens. I mean, you even talked about getting rid of that little bitch voice and we, we do it, right? We can say, do you, I said, you know, even today, I said, you idiot. Oh, nope. No, I'm not an idiot. I, I am I am a good guy. I'm a smart guy. Because we get ourselves caught up in that. And what you've proven, that, that race is just another microcosm of, this is not about them. It's about me. This is not about them. And I'm in a place where I'm going to do this. And I'm not going to let myself get in my own way. So um, that's why we need community, man, as well. Because even though we can do it, the more we surround ourselves with others. And when I meditate with other people, it's kind of got this kind of visceral thing that actually becomes more and more powerful, right? Yeah, amen, yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, like my friend yesterday said, I'm an idiot, because he like forgot something. I go, no, you're not, you're a mm-hmm. genius. Keep telling yourself, I'm a genius. You know, I am yeah. this, I am the power of I am. You know, I am smart, I am beautiful and intelligent. I am unstoppable, I am bigger, I am stronger, I am faster. I've literally been getting bigger, stronger, and faster just by the affirmations. Obviously, I've been eating the best I've ever ate with steak and eggs and high-quality foods. It's all frequency, vibration, and energy. So, yeah, you got to just keep increasing, find ways to increase your energy, frequency, and vibration. So, the uh, yeah, it's so powerful. It's like I, I used to, yeah, I, yeah. Kevin, I'm going to geek out here for a minute and ask, because you're getting into the UFC. That's your destination. What weight class? 170. I'm five foot 10, a hundred and like 90, 90, 95 pounds. Uh, Same kind of. So you cut down to 170. The, you then are very aware of Conor McGregor and yeah yeah he knows mcgregor's trainer um jonathan yeah so connor really is one of the first athletes in the ufc that really perfected that idea of the the manifesting a future reality he's really good at that how did that influence you uh yeah very very big influence yeah i mean i just saw another video that john jones used to sign his uh his autograph as a world champion before he became champion so he was aware of the law of attraction and manifestation the powers of manifestation as well but yeah uh mcgregor definitely was the most accurate with all his predictions where you would predict exactly where he was going to knock him out in what round and uh how he just worked his way all the way up to becoming a two division champ in the ufc uh champ champ and then since then it's been done like five times already in a couple years by other people so it's pretty cool to see the positive impact that he's had on the entire world and the collective consciousness because once you know it's like the four minute mile now uh people are doing it left and right you know after it's been done before so for me i'm i'm looking to get to that level where i can do something that's never been done before and show the whole world that it's possible and then people will follow in my footsteps after i complete it so for me i i'm 28 years old i'm one and one as a professional mixed martial artist uh i still have time you know glover to just won the ufc title and he was 44 years old so that gives me 17 years and uh, the level of grappling I'm at, I'm one of the best grapplers in the planet, definitely the most entertaining. 
And now after I win this world title in Poland for Team USA Grappling, I'm flying uh, directly to Thailand, which I uh, it's been a dream of mine for almost 10 years now to go to Thailand and learn the roots of the real Muay Thai, uh, which is like the most effective form of striking in martial arts, the elbows, knees, punching, and go learn from in the roots, you know, the motherland and kick the palm trees with the little Thai guys and uh, get to my level of striking uh, to where, uh, even with the level of grappling I've already reached because I'm one of the best grapplers in the world. And if I can get my striking to that level as well as continually uh, elevate my mindset, I think uh, I'll be unstoppable once I get into the UFC. Make wow. a great run. Yeah. I also saw a, a recent Muay Thai match where there's a lot of honor and um, there's a, a lot of iterations of, 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 of respect and things that happened as they, you know, start off with that kind of headband and they go in. And then even when there was a decision for somebody to, um, you know, that somebody won, they still got together in the middle of the round. They kind of bowed down to each other. It's a lot of really neat um, honorifics that kind of took place in that. So um, that's fascinating to see. And, and then the level of, it's a totally different level, man. It, it gets to a spiritual level, not just pure physical, right? Where it seems like jujitsu, it kind of still hangs out on that physical level, but it seemed like with Muay Thai, man, it's just a different zone. Yeah, I think because you can knock another man unconscious or even kill him. So jujitsu is less, the deaths are less likely, the physical uh, damage is less. Yeah, and when you when you KO someone unconscious, yeah, it's definitely more powerful than uh, just choking someone into submission and uh, letting them tap out. Yeah, the arousal, I would say, because, uh, you know, sports psychology is all about the perfect arousal uh, not being too calm, but not being too excited, just kind of being in that flow state. And uh, yeah, yeah, the striking is, uh, that's why I got into jujitsu uh, or in a, a MMA, you know, cause I want to reach my, I want to get my jujitsu test to the highest capability. So when another man's trying to knock you out unconscious in your underwear and you're both in your underwear fighting in <laughs> front of the whole world, it's definitely uh, one of the most vulnerable states you can be in. Kevin, what's your path to the 170 UFC title? Uh, yeah, just win this last world title from Team USA in Poland uh, coming up August 24th. Uh, and then from there, just go to Thailand for I have no flight returning to the United States. I'm supposed to be competing in the World Combat Games in Saudi Arabia for Team USA as well, which is in October. But it will leave me uh, all of September to be training uh, stand-up and focusing on the striking aspect of martial arts. Also, I want to go find like some ancient monk uh, guru hmm. to learn learn some uh, meditation. And I want to do like a three-day silent meditation just to calm my mind from all the 28 years of chaos. And uh, yeah, I think I'll start uh, really uh, shining over there in Thailand with, uh, and standing out and starting to really uh, give myself what I deserve, which is uh, the best uh, coaches, the best training partners and the best environment to become a UFC champion. Training at Tiger Muay Thai, that facility is incredible. They have dorms and uh, a lot of UFC champions have done their training camps there. And Who owns that? 
Uh, I'm not sure who the owner of Tiger Muay Thai is, but the owner, uh, Mike Swick, the ex-UFC fighter, has yes. AKA Thailand, yes. which is also another uh, great facility. And, and my uh, two of my friends both run the jiu-jitsu at both of them. So definitely got a, two good, really good connections with two of my friends that are black belts and I've known for both over 10 years. Has Dana White noticed you yet? Have you had a conversation yet? Uh, I was out at, uh, training at the UFC headquarters, helping Marvin Vittori uh, with his jiu-jitsu because yes. he was getting ready for uh, fighting a really good leg locker. And we met Dana for like a second. He just walked up. But uh, no, I don't think he knows who I am yet because I haven't uh, done anything really uh, too, uh, too fascinating in the MMA world yet. Definitely everyone in the jiu-jitsu uh, community and, and that sport knows who I am, but not... Uh, I haven't really made a big indent in uh, mixed martial arts yet. But you'll get there. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You will be champion. Go get it. I love that because you know what? Everything you're talking about has reinforced that idea. And it's almost like a flywheel. If you keep that positivity going and you keep experiencing the outcomes that you've manifested, it creates that flywheel that just keeps going. You sound like you're in the flywheel. Yeah, I love that flywheel. I'm going to steal that term. I've never heard that one before. Uh, yeah, my brother made me write my, when you were talking about legacy earlier, or the funeral of uh, the one gentleman and how 80% of the people didn't know each other beforehand. Yeah, it was really powerful to see how you could bring everyone together for one day like that and just make everyone, uh, everyone's connected, you know, and, and uh, I wrote my leg, uh, my obituary, my brother made me write my obituary, he calls it his legacy letter as part of his self development program. And it was one of the deepest things I'd ever done to help me get uh, aware of uh, how dishonest I was being with myself with my daily actions and where they were leading me compared to where I really want to go. That's and, amazing. Uh, yeah, I went over there and I was still just smoking weed and just not training anywhere near where I should be and doing a million other things wrong. And uh, I just begged him to help me and he put me down in the room and we did some very therapeutic uh, stuff, got me really emotional and really triggered some uh, deep uh, internal stuff that I had to purge out. And uh, yeah, writing your obituary is really powerful because it's like, all right you're dead like how are you going to be remembered you know that's all that matters is these invisible assets friendship love integrity honesty we get so caught up in the matrix trying to you know with all the sex drugs alcohol fame money that i had everything fucking backwards for a long time it's distractions and um i think that the world is, is surrounded by that now. It's, I think we're in a worse place. I mean, you could take like this video of people walking around Philadelphia, they're in zombies. They, they're on some special new drug where you go through this entire set of downtown Philadelphia and people are just like modern zombies and they haven't broken through. So one of the things we talked about on the phone call is, you know, you overcame depression. You certainly overcame this trauma of your, of your childhood. What was there a particular um, time or a place where, you know, you were able to, I mean, cause I think you were smoking all the way through high school. Right. And where, where do you, did you find that you were able to overcome some of these traumas and this depression um, and rewire your brain into a different place? Help. We, 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 we were finding the more and more people we talked to 
we talk to people who have different viewpoints, but they all overcome something, right? And what we're trying to accomplish here is how, how do we help the world um, understand that, hey, guys, there's a lot of people who have been through what you're going through right now, and we found people who have overcome that, right? And we've got stories. We've got different stories for different people because not everybody's going to take it the same way. Tell us a little bit about how you you overcame that that childhood trauma, that having parents that really weren't there for you. And um, you talked a little bit about your uncle helping out, but where did you come up with this kind of overcoming a, a, a mindset, both in terms of depression and or the, the trauma you went through? Uh, the, the fasting was a huge uh, help because that showed me, I mean, if you can control what you put in your body, then you can control everything else, you know? And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm fasted from sex now too, almost a year. I went full monk mode, you know? And, yeah, I think being honest with myself and through all these training sessions and competing over and over uh, in that tournament in Costa Mesa, I uh, I was depressed right after. You know, I had eight matches and I lost in the quarterfinal in the absolute, which is no weight category, just all the medalists from every division. And I had eight matches and I was so jacked afterwards. I could have still went to the gym or went straight to uh, running training for the next one. And I made sure that I didn't even have a uh, single gram of white sugar. You know, we went into Whole Foods, me and my Peruvian buddy. And uh, I just wanted to get a thing of cookies, you know, because I'm not, you know, smoking or drinking or or using that to suppress my emotional trauma uh, or my emotions, you know. But I, I wanted to, you know, I've became, I've reached a point where I, you know, I'm so aware that I knew that I had to feel that pain to make sure that I was driven for the next tournament to win and reach, uh, reach my fullest potential as becoming a champion. And yeah, I didn't even have a single gram of, of white sugar because sugar is obviously, and food is the most abused drug on the planet. All these people just overeat and, uh, eat themselves to escape. And, uh, yeah, I think that that would be the, uh, the best way to, to start to, deal with the anxiety and depression is just to fast and put nothing in your body and really feel everything that you're supposed to be feeling and then uh, deal with it through running and swimming in the ocean and meditation and breath work. No, that's awesome. And that's powerful. And, you know, a lot of people think that they do fasting because of weight loss, but really um, you're you're sloughing off dead cells. Uh, I, I think that you can get your mind in a really clear state when I'm doing my fasting and I'm really like intentional about it. And I'm doing like six hour windows that morning session, late morning, just before you get to that meal, when you're going to have it at say 1230 or one or two, that's when I think I'm at my best cognitively. There's this place where your body's all the toxins are gone. Inflammation is is getting reduced and, and it's a great place. And I don't think if you were to ask 99 out of 100 people if the best way to overcome, you know, addiction or depression or trauma would be fasting, I think that might not be top of mind. But I think I love that angle of it and, and definitely a balanced approach, right? Breath work, fasting, exercise, right? All these yeah. things combined, I, I think, are, in, are an amazing angle to get that done. Yeah, they add the cold plunge in there, too. Like there you go. Well, you know, um, this has been awesome, man. This did. Yeah. This is, is exactly. It's it's more than I was expecting. I, I just love your angle, your viewpoint. 
Uh, I definitely, um, my son is going to love this. He's 27. Um, he, he's, he's a great guy, works at uh, Strange Beast in Ventura. Uh, I know you probably don't have a lot of cocktails every now and then, but uh, he also works out of the gym and he's got a group of friends that really, when I told him we're having this podcast, I think he's going to be excited to listen to it and to, to learn from it. And there's a lot of young men out there who are being told uh, they're over masculine, right? That the, um, that especially in, 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 you know, our demographic, you know, of, of privilege that the world, the weight of the world is on them. And the fact that relationships are hard and there's a lot of just bummed out folks from COVID and, and, and looking at the economy, we need more young voices to say there's, there's ways to overcome this and we can be better and we can change the world we live in and, and we can change the people, we can change um, the outcomes of our lives. We don't have to be depressed. We don't have to be um, looking at porn. We don't have to be smoking weed all day long, right? And and abusing ourselves. Yeah, amen. Yeah, it's pretty uh, incredible to see all these positive changes, uh, lifestyle changes that I've made. All, all my friends, all my family, I guess I would say the whole world, especially my friends around my age, uh, want the same, want to do the same. You know, everyone wants to be a beast. Everyone wants to be a world champion. Everyone wants to be a billionaire. Like everyone wants to reach their highest self and not be fat and lazy. And to see, uh, that the fact that I've accomplished, you know, a few of these things, like, and that the people want the same, you know, it's just so, uh, re, uh, motivating to just keep, showing up and being an example for everybody else around me just leading by example with all these positive transformations you know Kevin I got a final question for you before we close if, if and I'm sure you've seen have you seen the matrix the movie uh I have yeah it's been probably 10 years but yeah, I watched so you've it. seen it what character yeah. are you in the matrix if you were one uh I guess Neo right the main character <laughs> Yeah, right. That's what I would have guessed. It's the hero's journey. And I think you, to encapsulate this, you have lived the hero's journey. You kind of took on all obstacles and said, no, we got this. And uh, that journey has led you to a place that's near the pinnacle. Like your path to the end of UFC at 170 champion, it's not that far away. That's got to be an amazing place to be. And I got to applaud you for that because at one point in your life, you decided I'm not going to do these things that are going to keep me back. And so I just want to applaud you on that because that takes a lot of work and intentionality, but you did it. So well done. Uh, thank you, Jonathan. That really touches uh, me on, on the deepest level possible. You know, I just found out about this hero's journey and how that's what life really is all about. Yes. And now I'm at the, the final quarter where I'm starting to finally give back, you know, after being 28 uh, for almost uh, a year now in October, I'll be 29. But I just, you know, your cellular and molecular uh, makeup gets changed uh, or your cells, you know, and, and all your molecules and your whole body changes every seven years. And I'm kind of going into the fifth chapter of my life, I would say. And I've been uh, just focusing on it, how every decision is affecting everybody else and, and really giving back and helping these men do the longest runs of their life 
uh, you know, they only believe that they could run one mile, two mile, five miles. And then we just go out there on a Thursday night after training twice already and crush 10 miles and to see the look in their eyes uh, and the transformation that takes place in that little two hour running session that they really just had this limiting belief in their mind the whole time. And uh, that's been like the newest, uh, most intriguing part of my life where I'm just helping all these guys from the Jiu-Jitsu Academy do the longest, longest runs of their life, which they could have done, you know, any day they chose, they just never chose to, to do it. Wow. Yeah, man. Um, congrats. Uh, I knew from the get-go, this is going to be a great podcast <laughs> and uh, I really appreciate your coming on. And I think one of the great things about this podcast is there's so many things we haven't even talked about today, and I'd love the opportunity to hear more about, especially we can't have you come on after August, um, you know, find out what, what's going on um, with that upcoming event on the 24th. Now, you might be, if you go to Thailand, then maybe this is going to have to be a podcast from Thailand. That could be pretty exciting. We'd have to have a Zoom presentation where you're going to have to pan around and show us the beautiful beaches that you're on. Um, I'm envisioning it right now, man, where you're there's like John Claude Van Damme, man, you know, doing his kickboxer role, right? So um just wanted to, you know, say thanks very much for joining this this podcast. I'm looking forward to chatting with you more. I want to go for a run with you on the hills or Sulphur Mountain or wherever you're going. Um, I've definitely got a new pair of speed goats, so I've got to get out there more and start running more. I I, I love hitting uh hitting the trails, man. And uh I'm looking forward to this journey and learning more about your uh success and Love to hear more about how we can um, take this great conversation and help as many. Um, it doesn't have to be young men. It could be anybody who's really feeling ways they can overcome the, the traumas of the world, you know. And uh, uh, yeah, whoever watched this, especially and listens to this uh, all the way up until the end, just, you know, stick, uh, stick to the game plan, you know, follow your heart, listen to your gut. Your intuition is your uh, blueprint and uh your map to reaching your highest self and fullest potential on this planet you know and uh bang but never break and as far as you never giving up then uh that's the secret to life you know and helping others love is the most powerful vibration and frequency so once you begin to love yourself and to the highest level that you can you start to love everybody else around you and then hopefully one day this world will reach a level of uh of peace you know Right on. And how do we um, find how do, how do our how does our audience get to um, learn more about you and your journey uh, and media and other kinds of publications? Yeah, uh, I'm on Instagram with uh, Kevin. Remember the name Crane is the handle and then Kevin Crane on Facebook. And uh, I don't have a website right now, but I will have one shortly. I'm working on it with one of my sponsors. And uh, if you guys have time, go follow my brother as well, Sean Michael Crane. He's uh, been a great positive uh, influence in my life and definitely has been probably the major uh, the major uh, influence on getting me uh, to where I am today. And uh, he's helping change men's life all around the planet on a scale that I would like to get to. And uh, that's why I need to win this UFC title because that's the platform where the message will get out there to the whole world. And Amen. It's the mission and the dream that we're about to fulfill. Kevin, we'd love to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. He sounds like a perfect person to have on our, our podcast. Yeah, I should have had this video on the whole time. Huh? Uh, <laughs> no it's worry. all right. Um, 
we actually yeah. don't have video yet for the podcast. It's still all audio okay. right now. And so um, you're, you were perfect. You sounded really good on the, on the call. Should be a great podcast. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I love you guys. Thank you. That was incredible. You guys got me pumped up. I'm going to have to go do a third training fasted. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to eat a couple bananas or like dates. And I was like, nah, fuck that. I need to make sure that I'm my cognitive mental clarity and just awareness. It's crazy. Yeah. Especially for conversating, like more important than even like the physical training, you know? Well, I look forward to seeing your journey now. Cause I, I know you now and it's like, like, dude, I've been watching the UFC since number three. Like, like okay. I've been in this journey a lot and I've seen everybody. I can't wait to see you rise. And cause it's going to happen. Like if anybody I've ever met is going to make that happen, you're one of those people because you have the evidence you've overcome that point in your body where it says, no, I don't want to do this. And you're like, no, we're going to do this. It's not yeah. even a question. It's not even a thought anymore. You're going to get there. And I already got it manifested. It's, it's being manifested. Yeah. It's pulling, yes. it's pulling the future uh, to the present. You're, you're pulling it through. Yeah. It's powerful. I had like a, some Mexican food with my buddy, the training partner that I've been mentoring. And uh, after like fasting, what, like 20 hours at 8 PM on Wednesday. And that like, fuck, or what's today? Yeah. Friday. That fucked me up. So I know what you mean, really, man. Yeah. yeah. You got to ease into that fast. <laughs> yeah. I had like gut bomb, a three-way. <laughs> yeah. Chips and salsa and a burrito. And I'm like, dude, I need to get back to just date like five ingredients on my body, honey, dates, bananas, grass-fed beef and organic eggs. And I mean, keep it simple and, you know, and then you don't have to deal with, you know, life's hard though you know it's not easy <laughs> that's right all right brother well thank you so much for your time um have a great weekend really enjoyed this and looking forward to what's next and we'll be uh we'll be in touch pretty soon okay awesome yeah you guys have a great weekend thank you for your time and, uh, yeah, be in touch. peace brother much love all right